1: And find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're going to talk to Brandon, who is the CEO and co-founder of Avocado Guild and we're going to talk about how to play to earn, the crossover between gaming and fintech, and I'm very much curious about what's going on in Singapore, where Brandon is based in that respect. And a very hot topic, of course, uh, early this year, you've seen lots of acquisitions in the gaming publishing space. and. Uh, crypto, maybe changing to Web3 and DeFi and also creeping into Metaverse. So we'll touch on all these topics and uh, super curious to hear from Brendan about his perspective. So how are you today, Brendan?
0: Uh, I'm very well, thank you. Thank you, Rudolf, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. We'd love to address as much as I can in the amount of time that we've got. So where shall we start? All right,
1: great. All right. First, what's your background? How did you get to do what you do today?
0: I have a very interesting background. I've been in business for a very long time. I've had over four or five different businesses in my life. I've always been very keen on exploring new markets, trying to find different ways to do things. I've dabbled in business when it comes to wholesale, retail, hospitality, Web2. I used, to, I started my own Web2 platform for ski travel, holidays, where we sell ski packages all over the world. And I also used to sell fruit as well. But it wasn't until kind of the whole the whole covid situation that helped me rekindle my my thoughts around play to earn nfts and what you could do with cryptocurrency. I've held crypto since 2016, but I was more of a trader. I traded equities and I traded a little bit of crypto. But then moving into 2021, I everyone's talking about nfts, everyone's talking about crypto because there's a huge crypto surge. I decided to revisit it a little bit more. And that's when I realized that there was a huge potential in 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 the game Axie Infinity, and I thought I'd give it a go and and see where this kind of could take could take us. I identified it very shortly that it was a opportunity where a new market could present itself. So then I decided to dive deep into that.
1: All right, sounds great. As I mentioned, you're CEO and a co-founder of Avocado Guild. So, what is the Avocado Guild's mission? What's the problem you're solving, or the gap in the market that you identified that you're filling in?
0: Well, being used to traditional business and even dabbling in web two based platforms, one of the biggest issues you generally have is customer acquisition cost and uh, how to build a community. When I explored Axie Infinity, the idea of quite simply just acquiring an NFT and lending it to users uh, that are you know demanding for this service, it was quite simple. But but when you see how many people are looking for looking. Forward to borrowing NFTs and how many NFTs were actually in the market for lending, I saw a huge opportunity to capture like a really large community that was overflowing from Axie. And that's when I thought, well, why isn't this being done better? Why aren't there a lot of competition in the space? And that's where I decided to create Avocado Guild and facilitate the lending of NFTs for the purpose of yield generation where we could split. Um, it was actually YGG that gave me this idea. I'll give credit. But I felt that the space could really benefit from increasing the amount of users exposed to Web3-based technologies, play-to-earn and uh, block, block, blockchain-based games. So at Avocado, what we try to do is, in layman terms, we, we try to onboard as many new users into Web3 through gaming, through blockchain-based play-to-earn gaming as possible. How, how we incentivize the users is we acquire the NFTs so they don't have to fork out the upfront cost. In return, we lend them the NFTs. They take the NFTs to play game-specific to that particular NFT. And when they complete quests or battles and they win tokens, we take a split from them. So that's in basic what the model does.
1: All right, but let's start from the very beginning. You mentioned Axie. Explain it maybe in one or two sentences what it is and how does that work and why do you need NFT to play it?
0: Axie Infinity is what we recognize as the first successful play to earn game it's a game that requires you to uh, own a set of three nfts before you can uh, play and with these three nfts that includes a capital investment that you must acquire these nfts from the market you can then choose to breed the nfts or use the nfts to battle other players or complete in-game quest and both of these accomplishments will reward you with tokens so that's how that's how Axie works
1: all right And is your solution then applicable to other potential games? You said Axie is the first successful one, but is it you know cross-operable? So if you say play to earn, can you use that solution for other games where they might do the same kind of thing?
0: In a way, it is play pay to earn because you do have to pay an upfront cost to acquire the NFTs before you can use the NFT to go start earning. At the beginning, when we started in early July, we only played Axie Infinity. By the end of 2021, we played Axie Infinity. Rev Racing, and Thetan Arena. That's three games. Currently, we're playing five to six games at the moment.
1: Okay. And so that's brilliant. Now, maybe let's also give it a bit of frame of reference in terms of fiat. So you said that I need three NFTs to start earning money. How much is that in Singapore dollar or in dollar? What are you actually providing to players to get going?
0: Um, last year, prior to a little bit of the crypto crash, in about August, September October, just for that frame, in order to acquire a set of axes so that you could uh, start earning with it, it would cost you anywhere between 700 USD to about 1500 USD. And what the amount that you could earn ranged anywhere between 150 to 350 US dollars a month.
1: Okay. Wow. So this is great, frankly, because you exploring that angle where people say anything related to blockchain equals uh, financial inclusion. Not necessarily, right? If this is what you have to pay. So there are solutions like yours where you can lend this to the players to overcome this, right? Not everybody has $700 to, to play, right?
0: So, so we solve two
1: problems here in, in my mind. The first problem is
0: obviously the financial capital required to get started. And the second one was yeah. actually the education. One issue I noticed with crypto is it's quite difficult to onboard. A lot of people find a lot of friction in learning about crypto. So other than just providing the NFT for yield generation, we also educate our users on crypto security, crypto literacy, and you know what it really means to own crypto. Because once you get into the space, it's not one particular token that you own. You can actually trade that off to anything you want realistically.
1: Apart from that angle that you say we, we get the NFTs to the people who want to play, how does Avocado Guild work? It sounds like it's an equivalent of a bank as well. So to be able to, for you to buy the NFTs, you need to be funded somehow as well.
0: Correct. So initially when Avocado Guild started, myself and a couple of the other co-founders, we put a lot of our own money together to seed the project. But very shortly after, right. we, we did a Series A raise and because we felt we needed more capital to acquire the NFTs. And we needed more capital to grow our team, build the necessary software, as well as just help develop the ecosystem as a whole. So we did complete a raise at the end of October, where we raised 18 US million dollars to help push our efforts forward.
1: Oh, brilliant. So, But let's maybe also follow up on that educational angle, right? Because I think the, the members of the guild or your clients, they they also, you try to provide some educational uh, support for them in addition just to educate them about a blockchain, right?
0: Yes. So the education that we provide is, at first it was mainly around wallet security, how to manage your assets. So when we give them their share of the tokens that they've earned, we'd have to send it to a wallet. To an extent, we teach them how to off-ramp a little bit, but more importantly, how to manage that particular security and what it means to have the token. Other than just teaching them online, what we try to do was we, as our guild started to grow, over 2,500 scholars quite early. So scholars is what we refer to as our players. And then we also try to touch with the community a a bit deeper by uh, arranging offline events so we started sponsoring schools for printers whatever they needed in the school and hosting webinars as well to help educate that there's a new market now where where in the pandemic you can actually do something online contribute in that way and uh, it can affect your life in the real world
1: I see. So wonderful. You answered my next question, but maybe let's take another twig, uh, take on it. How do you bridge metaverse and the real world? Because it looks like a lot of incumbents, uh, they discovered it now and they want to go into this and they start to talk about it a lot, but it sounds maybe a little bit superficial, whereas you're building it for the ground up and without actually talking about metaverse and the real world bridge, you are doing it, right?
0: Yeah, we are. I wouldn't go as far as to say bridge the metaverse because there's so many metaverses and metaverse is a little bit loosely used. But really bridge what people do digitally, it can have an impact on them in the real world. So with crypto what we try to what we try to do is we try to be accountable for what we do. And therefore, I I try to make real world impacts for a lot of the community that was a part of Avocado Guild through donations, through webinars, seminars and um, supporting them through disasters. But other than all of this, we're also this leads to the part where we tokenize and we're looking for ways where we can bring more value to them in the real world. But we haven't really quite done that at the moment other than provide this opportunity.
1: Understood. And uh, Avocado Guild is a community, as you mentioned. So, when you want to start a network or a community, you often face a cold start problem. How do you get going? Because yes, of course, you're some people between you and your co-founders, etc. But how did you get the word out about Avocado Guild?
0: Yep. Great question. Um... When we first started off, I took a couple of my friends and co workers from my previous businesses that I knew were good and could work hard and understood what it was like to build a startup. And we came and we we tried to build the framework behind how to manage the community and what type of database we need, what type of technology we may require. And then, what we, how the whole thing started was we went to the Axie Infinity uh, Discord channel and actually just advertised what, guys, we're offering a scholarship. If anyone's interested, please visit our Discord channel. And that's really the only message that we've ever posted in Axie that kind of was to say we're open for business. And uh, everything else has grown quite organically. And we realized, man, there's a huge community here waiting to be serviced. We, we got to work and tried our best to service that community. It's weird because generally in business, you have to attract the customer through the door. But in this particular case, there's a whole heap of people that wanted to rent NFTs, but there was not enough NFTs going around.
1: Fantastic. Listen up, people. If you want to start a successful network, go to a Discord channel on Axie. Great stuff, a great story. Now, how big is the opportunity that you're tackling? Because you said you raised just uh, now $18 million. So, of course, you had the discussion with the investors. What's the target addressable market in this space?
0: Um, in the traditional gaming market, they're expecting 2022, possibly early 2023, to hit $200 billion. Axie hit $1 million i think 1 million active players around september or october and i think in terms of in terms of revenue we were I think by October and November, earning over 1.2 million in, in the form of the utility. But that was barely scratching the surface. That was in one game, and we had about six to 8,000 scholars. Currently, we have 10.8 thousand scholars, and I still feel that we're quite small compared to the traditional gaming space. A lot of players that play games, they still, they're still they still not really onboarded into crypto. But I do feel that moving forward to 2023, 2024, we, we can see a shift because I don't see crypto going away. I see play to earn becoming more mainstream, and uh, people are starting to understand a bit about NFTs and blockchain-based games. The whole play-to-earn concept actually brings utility to people's NFTs. So other than just a piece of artwork, now these NFTs have intrinsic value. It, it can be seen as a property that not only do you own,
1: but you can lease it. Right. Now, what's the technology behind your solution? Because you, you said you are lending NFTs out. How does that work from technology perspective?
0: From a technology perspective, it's nothing too crazy like we built a very comprehensive database to track everyone's lending like you would do in the traditional world but we're currently working on a platform that can make it much more seamless to lend NFTs and we're working with game developers to see how we can integrate not just the API pools but how the NFTs may work. We're considering developing a marketplace there's a lot going on but we're still discovering the technology. What we built initially first were scripts and codes that worked with the smart contract to automate certain features so that doing some tasks repetitively could be. All
1: right and now Is this really a secondary or primary market? In other words, are you finding people who have NFTs that are spare, they want to lend them out and they use you as an intermediary? Or are you actually involved in creating those NFTs?
0: It's actually developed quite a bit since. So we actually acquire the NFTs ourselves. At the moment, we do not take secondary NFTs from other people to lend out. That is something that we're exploring. But the GameFi space has evolved so much to the point where not only do we acquire NFTs in various games to lend to our scholars, but we also ch- work closely with the games to you know, figure out what the NFTs may do, what type of price point may work. And even the I try and understand the economic model to make sure that it's a sustainable model.
1: Now, where am I getting with this? Sometimes people say that what's underappreciated when people talk about NFTs is the cost to actually create them. And at first uh, people were using Ethereum and now it looks like the other protocols are taking market share from them because the gas fees were so expensive. So are you working with different types of protocols or how do you keep the cost down?
0: We don't really see the cost as being a huge issue because what we find is all the different like different nfts at different costs like when we were playing axie infinity you'd get one particular nft that may cost 300 us dollars but then you may get another one that costs 1500 or 2000 us dollars in the end of the day like once you gamify the whole nft situation like you might have an advantage depending on the type of nft that you want and the nfts themselves have a level of rarity that may make it behave differently in the game or some people might like the idea of collecting a certain NFT. I, th- I think once you introduce the idea that the NFT is no longer just a collectible art piece, but it really has a utility, a function within a game, people start looking at the value of these NFTs differently. For example, you may look at an NFT that costs $2,000 and think, wow, that's really expensive. But what if that NFT could earn you a month or $300 a month, I guess the way you look at it may be different. If you look at an NFT that costs $400, but the NFT earns you $10 a month, you may look at that differently.
1: So yours are, you can also call it the dynamic NFTs, whereas if you have the art, then yes, it costs you $700 in gas fees to create it. And uh, if nobody wants to buy it.
0: It's not really gas fee. When we acquire these NFTs, we acquire them from the game. So the game developers actually release these NFTs uh, for sale and we acquire it from them. There are some gas fees involved, but we're not so fussed with the gas fee. It's really the NFTs themselves that cost a couple of hundred dollars.
1: All right. So it's the, the game developers who, who are actually taking the step zero, so to speak. Okay. Correct. Now... How big is your team and where are you based? I know you are based in Singapore, but is everybody in Singapore? What's your target audience as well, maybe in Southeast Asia or elsewhere? And also, what are your global ambitions, hopefully?
0: I was originally in Sydney. I'm currently in Singapore. I'm constantly moving around. I'm not really quite sure where I'm going to settle down. My team is all over Southeast Asia. So I've got team in Pakistan, Malaysia, Thailand, Taiwan, some in Singapore as well. Our current team size is about 8 I'll probably need to go grow to 30 quite quickly to cater the demand and the workload of what, what needs to be done. Our focus area is Southeast Asia. And prior to all of this, I used to run a guild in World of Warcraft. I don't know how relevant that particularly is, but I learned a lot of skills through doing that in my youth. And one of the key issues was when you manage people from all over the world in different time zones, it was very difficult to get them all together. So we chose Southeast Asia. You have multiple different countries there that could be the first benefactors of play to earn because of the amount that you could earn in comparison to um, the average wage that you can make in those countries. And also because the time zone was so similar to where majority of our team was as well. Expanding horizontally into Brazil, uh, into Europe, into, you know, LATAM and all that. But in the end of the day, we'd rather just build strong relationships with some of the guilds in those areas, as opposed to expanding Avocado in that direction, just because from a management perspective, we wanted to be able to make sure we can look after everyone. And then there's also the issue of language and things like that as well. So we felt that we wanted to focus on Southeast Asia first to maybe about halfway through mid-year, we'll start thinking about where we might want to expand to. The, the market is massive, like even just Southeast Asia alone, it could be hundreds, thousands, millions of people.
1: Understood, of course. So understood, makes sense. Now, you mentioned that you expanded now to six games uh, I, and it's very hard maybe for you to say, but what is your favorite game? And maybe also explain it to people who are not playing them right now, on which platforms are they available? Are these uh, PC games or are these games on consoles or where do you find them?
0: All of the games that our scholars currently play, either on the PC or on mobile devices. Some of the games are still under testing, so I can't say too much about these games. But currently, one of my favorite games is Cyborg. We recently just got into Cyborg. Cyborg is a soccer-based NFT game. Very similar to Axie, but different theme and the playstyle is different. The game is on the BSC network, so it's not on ethereum it's on bsc the fees are a lot cheaper we've moved quite a lot of scholars into the game it started quite new it's only been about i think four or five days since it started we're we're looking forward to see how this game can change the market
1: wonderful so my last question is what's the best way to reach out and who would you like to hear from most
0: best way to reach out to me would be via telegram Brendino, AG, that's my Telegram handle. Or you can just send me an email, brendan at avocadoguild.com. These would be the best ways to reach out. I'm generally always working and available. Yeah.
1: Fantastic. So thanks so much, Brendan, and good luck to you and Avocado Guild.
0: Thank you, Rudolph.
1: Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceofintech.com